Hallelujah. Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ our King. We are so excited for this opportunity to share the Word of God with you through your favorite program, The Moment of Truth. We are at a critical moment in God's plan for humanity, and God is said to do awesome things in and through individuals, families, communities, organizations, nations, continents, and across generations. As we proclaim the Word of God in the following series, you are going to receive illumination and direction, especially those in the Valley of Decision, and hopefully you'll be accurately positioned for the current move of God. So, sit back and relax. Go ahead, call your family and friends, and get ready for a life-changing encounter with the Word of God. As you do, your life will never be the same again. Oh, what a blessing it is to be back home again. I live from classic to classic. As soon as I get home from one classic, I start thinking and preparing for the next classic. It is a highlight of my year. And uh, I uh, always tell myself, you know, all you do is worry about having to stand on the same pulpit with, with Dr. Bakery. Yeah. And, uh, and I always say, why do I put myself under that stress of feeling like that I have to, to stand on the same pulpit and say something that somebody can uh, learn something from after they've learned from Dr. Bakery all year long to think that I can come and say something that will bless them. And, uh, but I'll tell you one thing. Coming back every year to Lagos, it always kicks my prayer life up another level. So <laughs> I always know that I'm getting into a new spiritual level, you know, just because that I come back to, to, to Lagos. It's such a blessing to be here. I have so many wonderful friends here, and I miss you so much over the year. And it's such a blessing to get to see every one of you again. So uh, for, the, for the classic... I brought two big cases full of books that I've published uh, that I wanted to, to make available to the people that are coming to the Classic. And so I get to the airport, and uh, the customs officer looks at me with these huge cases full of books, and then, uh, then of course, my own uh, personal uh, uh, you know, baggage and stuff. And uh, he looks at me, and he says, so what are you bringing all that stuff into Nigeria? And uh, I uh, said, uh, latter rain. I barely got the last R out, you know, the last N out of latter rain. And he says, okay, go. <laughs> it is always such a blessing to be uh, associated with people who have authority and have position and have a reputation in the country. You know, I've been other places where I had to struggle with customs officers to get through the customs, you know, but as soon as I just mentioned this congregation, immediately I had respect, and I appreciate that, and I want you to know, I want you to know that this congregation, this ministry, your pastor 
Uh, and I know you already know it, but I just reconfirm it to you, have tremendous respect in this country. And it's such a blessing that God has given me the opportunity to be associated with you. Well, this morning, I want to share with you something which uh, probably I don't need to share because I'm sure that all of you already are well aware of it. Uh, but I want to share with you uh, about knowing God. This is an amazing thought to me, but uh, so many people around the world in the Christian faith today really don't know God. And I think that a lot of it is a result of the sincere heart of pastors and teachers. As a pastor, as a teacher, you know, we want to help you in any possible way that we can. And because that we're doing that, many times we formulate concepts and we formulate principles and we tell you this is the principle. You know, I think that it might have started with Dr. Billy Graham, a wonderful, wonderful man who contributed probably more to the body of Christ than anybody else has in the last, you know, several hundred years. But uh, he wrote a book called Four Steps to Peace with God. Tremendous approach to really knowing how to really be born again, how to really be in a relationship with God. And after that successful book, then other people started writing things like uh, seven steps to your healing, ten steps to your miracle. And uh, I've done the same sort of thing, you know, giving people principles and steps to how to do this and how to do that, uh, simply because we're trying to help people to really get... Uh, the results that they need from God. However, in the process of that, I think a lot of times we have overlooked and we have forgotten and we have missed that it's not the miracle, it's not the provision, it's not the healing that's important. It's the relationship with God that we really have to have. And too many times we've turned things into formulas. We've turned things into precepts. We turn things into, into principles and do this, follow these steps, follow these rules, and you're going to get what you need from God. The truth is that if we're going to get anything from God, if we're going to have anything that's going to be spiritual in our lives, it's not because we did steps. It's because that we were in relationship with him. If you'll remember, Jesus told us about, uh, he says, uh, if, uh, if, well, I'll start, let me go back and let me set the, the stage for that. Uh, Jesus told us a story and he says, there was a woman who had been defrauded and there was a king or a judge that she thought could help her. And she bothered him day and night and pestered him and continued to plead to him to help her. And then eventually he said, this woman is driving me crazy. What am I going to do? And he said, I have no respect for her. I have no respect for man. I, I don't even have respect for God. But just to get this woman out of my hair, I'm going to avenge her. And so he, he settled her case for her. 
And then after that, then Jesus says to us, he says, how much more will your heavenly father, you know, give to those who ask him? And he begins to to teach us a principle about having a father-son relationship with God. When he gave us the, uh, the Lord's Prayer, in the Lord's Prayer, uh, after he's told us about, uh, you know, our Father which art in heaven, then he continues at the end of that, and then he says, now, if a man, if a boy would ask his earthly father for a fish, is he going to give him a snake? If he asks him for an egg, is he going to give him a scorpion? If he asks him for bread, is he going to give him a stone? And he says, how much more your heavenly father is going to give to you who ask? His whole principle is having a father-son relationship, having a relationship with God. It's out of our relationship with God that we have all those blessings. And unfortunately, I think that many times... Even out of the sincerity of our hearts that pastors and teachers have begun to walk us away from having a relationship with God. They've walked us into doing this and doing that and having so many different principles to follow that in following those principles, we believe we're going to have success in our Christian life. No, the success in our Christian life is going to always come from simply having fellowship and knowing and having a relationship with God. In the, the book of Daniel, there's a passage that all of us probably can quote very easily, uh, which says, and they who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. I believe every one of us in this room wants to do an exploit for God. Every one of this in this room wants to have the record that we were people who did exploits, who experienced exploits for God. Uh, but I want us to go back and recognize that it says those who know their God are the ones who are going to be strong and the ones who are going to do exploits. When I was looking at that verse a few months ago, the Lord prompted me to parallel that with a verse that we also probably know very well from the book of Genesis. After God created the world and he created man out of the dust of the earth, then he looked and he said, oh, you know, it is not good that man is alone. And so he created Eve. And then after he created Eve, he brought Eve to Adam and Adam says, whoa, man, well, actually, he said woman, but, you know, we can stretch it out. But <laughs> he, he looked at Eve and he thought, man, what a, what a lady there. Whoa, man. Anyway, so, uh, and then the Bible says, and Adam knew his wife and she conceived and bore a son. Notice that there are three steps in that statement. And there are also three steps in the statement that we just quoted from the book of Daniel. He says, those who know their God, they'll be strong and they'll do exploits. In the story of Adam and Eve, it says, and Adam knew his wife and she conceived and bore a son. Three steps. And again, let's don't talk about the steps. We want to talk about the, 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 the experience of knowing God. But 
Adam knew his wife. There was an action there. There was a relationship there. There was a consequence to that relationship. The consequence was that she became pregnant. She conceived. And then the result of that is that they bore a son. If we know God, there's a relationship. There's going to be a consequence to that is that we're going to become strong. And the result of that is that we're going to do exploits. Now, the amazing thing to me is that Adam and Eve had never seen a baby. Right? Adam and Eve were created full-grown individuals. They had never seen a baby. They had no idea what a baby even was. And yet, because they had a relationship, it resulted with a baby. We have no idea what the real exploits that God wants to do in our lives. We have no idea exactly how God wants to work in, for, and through us. The exploits that are going to be in our lives are far beyond anything we could ever imagine. And when we begin to focus on doing an exploit, we limit what God is going to do in our lives. Do you understand? If we say, I want to do this, and we focus on how, what are the principles, what are the steps, what is the process that I have to go through to get to this particular exploit, then we've limited God. Because we all know from Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 that God is the God who is going to do more than we would ever think or we would ever ask. More than you can ever imagine is what his idea is because his ways are above our ways and his thoughts are above our thoughts. And when we say, I want to get to this particular exploit and we begin to focus on what are the steps to get to that exploit, then we're limiting God. But if we focus on how can I have a real relationship with God, He's going to absolutely, as we say in America, knock your socks off. He is going to surprise you more than you can ever imagine by giving you an exploit that's something that you never even thought of. Adam and Eve did not have a relationship because they wanted a baby. They had no idea what a baby was. I can imagine that when Adam first had his relationship with Eve and then she became pregnant and her stomach began to grow, that he's looking at her, woman, what's going on here? Why are you getting so fat? You know, you were, you know, really, really shapely, you know, a few weeks ago and now look at you. And he, he was amazed at what was happening. And then when the baby came, then they said, Oh, what is this? Can't you imagine how perplexed they were? 
how shocked they were, how amazed they were because God had done something that was beyond anything they had ever thought of or they had ever asked for, they had ever imagined. Can you, can you get a feeling of what must have been going on with Adam and Eve? And taking that and paralleling that with what we saw in the book of Daniel, if we know our God, there's a condition that's going to come out of that. We're going to be strong. And out of our strength in God, out of our relationship with God, something is going to be birthed. And that thing that's going to be birthed is going to be an exploit. It's going to be an adventure. It's going to be an accomplishment in the kingdom of God that's going to amaze us. Just like that baby amazed Adam and Eve. Does that make any sense to anybody? We just need to begin to really focus on knowing God. Now, when we talk about knowing God... There are a couple of things that I want us to think about. And uh, one of them is that uh, when uh, Peter and John went to the temple in uh, Acts uh, chapter 3, they uh, went there and they met a man who was, uh, who was crippled from birth. And he was begging for alms. And all of us know the song, you know, it says, Peter and John went to pray. They met a lame man on the way, and he reached out his palm and asked for an alm, and this is what Peter did say. And you remember that little song, that little story? Anyway, what happened is that after the man was healed, it caused a big stir in the city, and it caused a big stir with the Sanhedrin and the religious leaders. And so they began to question Peter and John about the situation. And Peter says to them, he says, It was not by our power or our holiness that this man has been healed. Right? They recognized exactly what I'm trying to say today. It was not by any formula that we followed. It was not by any thing that we did that accomplished step one, step two, step three. It was not by our power. It was not by our holiness. A lot of times we feel like, hey, if we're going to do an exploit, we got to be really holy. I got to pray a lot. I got to fast a lot. I got to give up all these things. I've got to really be holy so that I can do an exploit or so an exploit can happen in my life. Or it's got to be by my power. You know, by the, by the confessions that I make and all those things. We, so we say, it's by my power, it's by my holiness that this guy's going to get healed. But what did they say in chapter 4 when they finally analyzed it? The people said, we recognize that these men have been with Jesus. It was their relationship. It was because they knew Jesus. That by knowing Jesus, that something supernatural happened in their lives. Something supernatural flew out of, flowed out of them. Something supernatural changed that man and brought about an exploit. We've got to just know God. Paul, in the book of Philippians, tells us about his own relationship. Paul says, you know, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And he says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. And he begins to go through and check off all the boxes. 
He said, if there is a step that you have to follow, I followed it. If there was a principle that had to be fulfilled, I did it. He says, I was more zealous than anybody else. Concerning the law, I was blameless. He said, man, I deserved to have any recognition that I could have. I deserved to be the guy who could do the exploits. But then he gets down to the end of it and he says, you know what? I count all that stuff as rubbish. Now, I have a good friend here, uh, Mr. Daniel. If uh, you're not busy fighting lions, could you come up and help me for a second? Daniel is uh, my protocol agent who is helping me while I'm in town here. And uh, Daniel, I'd like to give you a gift to let you know how much I appreciate you. Thank you very much. I like this. Good. Thank you. Yeah, please, uh, please open and let's see what you have. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. So this is uh, this is my autobiography. Oh, that, really? Yeah, it tells it tells the story of my life. It just as a recent publication just came is out. That just, so? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, the book is here in your in the, in in this in this hand in in this hand is the yeah uh, yeah nice book uh, yeah that. I'm looking at this and it, you're it really looks shiny. I think I'm going to save this for next year to wrap my daughter's birthday gift. Uh, well, uh, well, that's nice. I'm glad that you like the paper, but uh, did but you know. I mean, 70 years oh, of my yeah. life are, are recorded in the book. I thought you would... On the contrary, I think I'll save this for Christmas Day. Yeah. This is just the wrapping oh, paper. yeah, it is. Yeah, the book, yeah, hi, oh, thank you. I, okay, this is, this, is, this is just rubbish. This is just the wrapping paper. Really? Yeah. And and we take the wrapping paper and we just throw that away. And, you know, the book is what I wanted to give you. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Dad. Thank you. If there are any agents from Nollywood out there that would like to interview Daniel after the service. Uh... But you see, that's exactly what Paul was saying. He said, look... I had all the wrapping paper. Yes, all of those things that he had accomplished, all those things that had been worked in his life, they were good, but they were only the wrapping paper around the relationship that he was supposed to have with God. And he says, finally, when I realized that that was just rubbish. Rubbish is what's left after you've taken the real essence out of it. When you eat a candy bar, the candy bar is what you want, not the wrapper. No matter how beautiful that paper was 
And no matter even if it could have been reused for his daughter's birthday gift or his wife's next Christmas gift, even if it could have been reused, in this case it was rubbish because that it was only the delivery process to get us to the gift. We've got to recognize that the thing that we have to have in our lives is not a set of principles. The thing that we have to have in our lives is a genuine day-to-day relationship with God. In the book of, uh, in the book of uh, 2 Peter, uh, well, before we go there, I've got to tell you a story. So I was preaching in the Philippines. And uh, I was going to use this same verse that I'm going to refer to now. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Uh, and uh, so the uh, uh, assistant, associate pastor, uh, came to me before the service. Now, this is a church I've never been in before. So nobody there knows me. I don't know anybody. Nobody knows me. I'm a total stranger. So anyway, so stand up on Sunday morning and the and the associate pastor is going to introduce me. And the associate pastor says, well, is there a verse that you're going to be ministering from today that I can use? Uh, I can read that verse while I'm introducing you. I says, well, good. Let's go to Second Peter chapter one, verse two. And so the uh, pastor writes that down and then gets up and he uh, or she actually was uh, going to introduce me. And she says, now we have a, a, a guest speaker with us today from America. And, uh, you know, uh, was going to introduce me and tell everybody, you know, because nobody there knew me. And then, uh, she, then she says, and uh, so I'd like to read this verse for you uh, as I'm introducing our guest. And uh, so somehow she got things twisted and she went to Second Peter chapter uh, 2 verse 1 instead of Second Peter chapter 1 verse 2. And she read, uh, There are false teachers among you. Beware. <laughs> so how do you stand up and preach after that kind of introduction? You know? <laughs> so at any rate, uh, in Second Peter, Peter says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you in the knowledge of him. If you are not having grace and peace multiplied in your life, it's probably because that you really don't have a knowledge of him. That we begin to focus on principles, we begin to focus on steps, and we have missed the real principle, which is to know Him. And then he goes on as, as he's writing, and he says, And through the knowledge of Him, you have escaped the corruption that is in the world. Now, I wouldn't want to suggest that the same thing might be happening in Nigeria as in America. But there was a study that was done, a survey, in America among evangelical pastors. I'm not talking about denominational pastors. I'm talking about evangelical pastors, people who stand up every Sunday morning 
and tell people, you've got to be born again. And so among these pastors, this was at a big convention, and they asked this survey anonymously so that no one could know anybody else's answer. Totally anonymous. And so the people could feel free to answer the question without any intimidation. And they ask how many have viewed pornography within the last seven days. The answer that came back when the survey was told, one out of three said that confessed to having viewed pornography within the last seven days. What does that say? That says that between the time the guy stands up in his pulpit one Sunday morning and tells people, you need to get born again, and the time he stands up in his pulpit the next Sunday morning to tell people, you need to get born again, that at least one time he's viewed pornography in that seven-day period. They have not escaped corruption, right? Why have they not escaped corruption? They have not escaped corruption because they haven't had a knowledge of him. Because he says it's through the knowledge of him that we escape the corruption that's in the world. They know how to preach. They know how to present their message. They know all the steps to running a church. But the thing they've missed is a knowledge, is a relationship with God. And Peter also says in that, he says, and if if this knowledge be in you and you've advanced in this knowledge, he says that you will not be unfruitful and that you will be uh, productive. You will not be barren and you will not be unfruitful. You know, I teach at a Bible college. And one of the things that I do in the Bible school is that I lead mission teams. I take students as this is one of the requirements just before graduation. I take them to a foreign country. We spend a week ministering, preaching, teaching, going to orphanages and things like that. And I bring them back to the States. But one of the things that I do in preparing these students to go on their mission trip is that I ask them, how many of you have ever led somebody to Jesus? You would be amazed that the majority of Bible college students just ready to graduate from Bible college, you would be amazed that usually it's more than half of the team have never led somebody to Jesus. They know their Old Testament. They know their New Testament. They know the lessons that they are taught in Bible school. But their lives are unfruitful. They're barren. They haven't produced anything. They haven't brought anybody to the kingdom of God. Why? Because that they really don't know God. They know their lessons. They know what their instructors expect. They know how to answer the questions. They know how to write their papers. They know all that, but they don't know God. 
And I wouldn't dare to ask in this congregation if there are those present who have never led anybody to Jesus. If you haven't led anybody to Jesus, it's time for us to go back and to check. Do I really know God? Or just do I, Or is it that I just know what my pastor wants me to know? Do you follow me? I'm not here to scold. I'm just here to help us to change our perspective. And we don't fault any pastors. We don't fault any teachers. We don't fault anybody who might have helped us to get on the road that we're on. We just want to recognize the real essence of our faith is to know God. In the book of Hosea, it talks about following on to know the Lord. When I first began to meditate on this, I thought, hey man, I've known God since the day I got born again. Because that's the expression that we quite often use. You know, do you know the Lord? Yes, I know the Lord because I've been born again. I asked Jesus into my life so I know the Lord. And yes, we can know the Lord. But we need to follow on to develop a relationship with Him. And in the New Testament, it speaks of increasing in the knowledge of the Lord. We don't want to just say, I know Him because I've been introduced to Him. I've had the opportunity to be introduced to a lot of interesting people, one of which was Mother Teresa. And so, uh, you know, I can always tell people, yeah, I know Mother Teresa. Yeah. And uh, Mother Teresa and I spent a total of five or six minutes together. And man, I know Mother Teresa. Well, I do know Mother Teresa. I was introduced to her. I got to sit with her. My wife and I, we had a private audience with her. We had a private conversation with her. And uh, maybe it was more than six minutes. Maybe it was 15. But I mean, I can say I genuinely know Mother Teresa. She gave us a gift. We gave her a gift. We know one another. But... uh, That's not going to produce anything in my life, you see, by just being introduced to her. And just because we've been introduced to Jesus isn't all that's necessary. It's to know him, to have an intimate relationship with him. And today, I don't want us to ignore the fact that it's important to be introduced If there's anyone in this room who has never really been introduced to Jesus and you're just here because it's a church service, you're just here because it's the thing that you expect to do on Sunday morning to get up and come to church and, you know, but you've never really said, Jesus Christ, I want you to come into my life. Today, I want to give you the opportunity to know him to make a personal relationship, to open your heart and give Him your heart. I want to do that. But I also want to say to all of us who have been introduced this week, last week, last year, 20 years ago, have you followed on to have a real relationship with Him? Or have you come to just following the principles? Are we like the Apostle Paul who said, man, if it's the wrapping paper that counts, I've got the prettiest wrapping paper there is. 
But really, I realized that the wrapping paper wasn't important. What was important was the gift that was inside. And I recognized that the wrapping paper is nothing but rubbish when it's all said and done. Today, regardless of whether this is your first time to know the Lord or you know Him but you realize you don't really know Him, today I want to pray with you and I want to lead us all into coming into a deeper and more intimate relationship with God so that we can be strong and that exploits can happen in our lives. Father, we just ask your Holy Spirit to just move throughout this room today. Lord, take whatever little feeble words I've been able to say and let those words begin to penetrate into every heart and every life. Lord, those of us that have just been part of religion or maybe we've been even, as they say, out in the world, but somehow we wound up in this church service today and we realize, hey, I've never really asked Jesus into my life. Lord, let us begin to really realize what it really means to know you. And Lord, we just ask right now that as you knock on the heart doors, that everyone that doesn't really know you, has never really invited you in, that they'll feel to open their heart and let you in. It's just a simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. I recognize you're the Son of God. I know that you gave your life for me. And I receive that life right now. If you've never prayed that prayer and you do that right now, I welcome you into the kingdom of God. And for all the rest of us, Lord, let us begin to recognize what's wrapping paper And what's the real gift? And Lord, if we've been focusing on the wrapping paper, focusing on the steps and the principles and the the how-tos, but we've really been missing having an intimate relationship with you, Lord, we just ask you that your Holy Spirit will begin to awaken inside of us a real desire to have an intimate relationship with you. Lord, like Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore a son. Lord, we want to know you so that we can become pregnant with your relationship with you, become strong, and we can give birth exploits in Jesus' name. Amen. so much for listening. We have to end it here today, but it's been a real joy to come into your homes to unveil the truth of God's Word. I pray that the Word of God you have received will sink deeply into your hearts and bring forth tangible fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. In addition, I pray that the truth you've embraced will not only set you free, but it will empower you to impact your environment positively as God's representative in your sphere of influence. 
Till we meet again on this platform, remain sandwiched between the peace of God and the God of peace. God bless you richly. Bye, Bye for, for now. now.